0: Welcome to Faithful Deconstruction. I'm Jesse Crickshank.
1: And I am Roland Smith. And we're joined by our guest, Toby Armstrong, who is a pastor in Denver and a longtime friend. We used to actually used to be on staff together. Yes, as we did. Well. So thanks for being here this okay. morning.
2: My pleasure. Well,
0: in our last episode we talked about um, just what deconstruction is and kind of some definitions there and how the story in Genesis 11 of the Tower of Babel kind of gives us an interesting picture of what deconstruction could be like. And for me, when I think about the people in the Tower of Babel, I, I wonder like that first morning when they woke up, right? What did that feel like? The day before? You know, you're working on your project, you're laying your bricks, you're dealing with your foreman, you're dealing with your friends, like like you have all of the things that a construction environment involves and, you know, things not being shown up on time, you know, this brick was put in the wrong place. I mean, I just can imagine what the scene was like. And then you go to sleep and you wake up the next day and everything's different. Suddenly, you're not even speaking the same language as everyone else. And just how traumatic and disorienting that that might feel. Like that moment of everything that you thought that you knew and the way that you existed with people and the relationships that you had and the way you understood yourself in the world is just broken. It's just gone. Mm -hmm. And, And what that moment would have been like. And so I wanted to have a conversation today about how we respond when the world falls apart. How do we yeah. respond and, yeah. and how do we understand and empathize with people about what this actual experience of deconstruction feels like? Mm-hmm. And you had some great quotes um, in your book.
1: Here. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a book that we've used in a group that meets at my house Monday nights. Uh, we just got done with it. And I, and I think it's one helpful Tool and resource, Brian McLaren. A lot of people will be uh, familiar with, but it's but it's faith after doubt. Um, and he and there's one interesting part where he's looking at paradigm shifts. You know, he says for many of us, faith is our map of reality. So you think of a map; uh, it's a map of the universe. And ap- academics often call these mental maps paradigms. And so when a paradigm fails, then we need to seek a new one. And so we go through what we call a paradigm shift, which we use that kind of phrase a whole lot. We throw it around. But then when you th- think about science, for example, you don't think about paradigm shifts because you think science is like it's pure and it's proven and there's formulas and there's math and there's all these only things. Only people who aren't
0: involved in science know, think that the, way. Yeah, but, yeah, anyway. but, but for a
1: lot of us, it's like science, science is this proven thing. And um, it was interesting because Albert Einstein um, had this language when, he, ex- when he, he talked about experiencing with the coping of data that took him off the edge of his scientific map. So you think of Einstein as like knowing all these formulas and what's true and what's not true and all this. So he would fall off of his map, you know, and this is his quote. It said it, it was as if the ground had been pulled out from under one with no firm foundation to be seen anywhere upon which one could have built. So this loss of your your paradigm, this loss of your foundation and your map. And then uh, McLaren goes on to say, if the loss of a scientific map or model creates anxiety, how much more does the loss of a religious worldview? And so I think that's kind of that's what we're talking about. You
0: know? Yeah, I mean, Toby, what have you um, experienced the the emotionality is or the the state of being is for people who've come to you in different places, or maybe even in your own yeah. spaces of deconstruction? What's that felt like? Yeah,
2: so I've gone through my own process of deconstruction and reconstruction. I don't know throughout my entire journey. Um, But also, you know, just some context, I've been ministering to um, and working with Millennial and Gen Z for over 20 years. And uh, I would say that they're, while not the only audience, uh, the only demographic that's experiencing this, I would say that proportionally um, studies have shown that they're experiencing it more than previous generations. Um, And for a lot of different reasons. But they usually come to me, uh, and we engage in conversations, uh, usually as a response to trauma that they've experienced. And so what I would say that makes their demographic and generation a little bit different, and the world that we're living in right now a little bit different, is whereas people in other contexts and um, times may experience deconstruction, as a, as a way of like, this doesn't make sense to, to me anymore in my context, I need to think this through. Now they're deconstructing, the, at least the people that I talk to, out of, I've been abused or experienced mm-hmm. abuse and I can't live in this community anymore. Um, and then it gets projected onto God or you know, there's a spiritual aspect to that of if this is what God's like, uh, I don't know that I want a relationship with that kind of God, or, you know, this doesn't help me. Um, and so they often come with a lot of pain and that's been my own experience as well, is that, um, my experience with deconstruction, uh, is, is, has been some of the, you know, purely maybe theoretical, theological, intellectual, but the majority and the majority recently in the last decade or so has been driven by trauma. Mm. Um, so, I think that's, yeah. And, I mean, I, you're, you're
1: one of the most interesting church pastors, I know, <laughs> church planters I know, because you're actually a church planter that has a pretty cool building and you refuse to meet in it. Yeah. You all meet, you planted a church in a coffee shop instead. Yep. Is that, is that kind of connected to this, you know, this PTSD yeah, maybe that absolutely. they feel with the institution? Absolutely.
2: Yeah. And, and in fact, that was part of our journey. We, we didn't go with full intention to not meet in the building. In mm-hmm. fact, we tried at the very early stages of um, this kind of community that we were building to meet there. And the feedback that we received, you know, we did a large demographic study. And this may just be more heightened maybe in our context of South Denver, the Denver metro area. But in our context, a lot of the feedback we received from the people we were trying to have conversations with and um, build a community with. Was that uh, I have trauma related to institutional church environments, and uh, it's not a safe place for me. And so when I walk in the doors of that building, I'm triggered. I have, you know, um, uh, all this, you know, these things that happen to me in which I, when I walk in that building, I have an emotional response. And I, it's not a, it's not a place where I feel connected to God. It's not a place where I feel like I can engage in authentic community. And so we had to to take that before the you know just as a community and say, "What are we going to do with this?" Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right And um there are other aspects to it as well of just, okay, it's not a safe place um, I don't feel welcomed in an institutional environment, but it's also um, just not in our context a norm mm. so people my age. Uh, probably either they've spent a small amount of time in church communities, buildings, um, but the majority of the time they don't spend there. They don't find community there. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're looking to build authentic community, um, that kind of construct, uh, I feel like, or wineskin, if you use you yeah. know mm-hmm. biblical language, sure. uh, we're in the midst of a shift, a yeah. paradigm shift there.
0: No, and I think what you're saying that I I find really fascinating in it, part of what just dis- makes me upset about the whole conversation around deconstruction when it when it gets really shaming and and negative is that it is a new wine skin right mm-hmm. These are people who yeah. are trying to find a way towards God as they're trying to get healthy yeah right they're they're trying to connect towards God in an authentic way that where God doesn't remind them of the the trauma or the right. abuse that they've suffered and we used to I think in in ages past, talk about deconstruction in a positive way. I mean, we didn't use that word, right? Because deconstruction yeah. sounds very negative. And mm-hmm. now, you know, we feel there's a lot of um, people who think it's a negative thing. And, and some people, uh, you know, hang on to the word as a sort of, de- not deconstruction, but destruction. Mm-hmm. But we used to talk about it like new wineskin. We mm-hmm. used to talk about it in a in a positive mm-hmm. way. Yeah. And, you know, I, I I like to say that anthropologists call it liminality, socio mm-hmm sociologists call it deconstruction, developmental psychologists like me call it transition. Paul just called it discipleship and sanctification. And I think God calls it a weekday because it's just part of the natural rhythm. But, you know, for the people that, that you minister to, when they have this experience and they're trying to find their way towards God, like how do you as a pastor? help them maybe what's helped you can mm-hmm. keep your connection with god through your different stages and times of deconstruction like how do i think our response is just super critical yeah. so how how do you respond towards them what's um,
2: helpful i think one of the things that i've recognized and some of this has been because of my own journey so i would say because it's it, i think one of the the challenges of today in uh, this environment in which deconstruction has risen to a very prominent place, pastors who haven't experienced any of that, they haven't experienced trauma. Um,
0: Is that, I don't know of any pastor who hasn't experienced well, trauma,
2: but maybe I think they're out there. In the, way, in the way, in an institutional church environment, mm-hmm. right? So, and I would also say that most pastors probably have, um, but maybe they haven't gone through a process of mm. um, counseling and um, you know, a, a healthy process, a holistic process that right. addresses the theological challenges, the emotional challenges, the spiritual challenges, all that kind of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. If you haven't gone through that, then you can um, respond in an unhelpful way.
0: Right. You right? probably respond to exactly. them the way you're responding mm-hmm. to your own R- trauma.
2: Right. Just and shut so it down and I make think it go away. that there are two major responses that I see mm-hmm. from pastors. One is the institutional response, right? Because when you come as a, Say I'm just, you know, a regular church member goer, uh, and I come and I talk to my pastor and I say, uh, I'm having doubts. Well, um, that's, that triggers a survival response in us mm. as pastors, mm. right? Especially in a season in which uh, the institutional church as a whole is under fire and we've got challenges from all kinds of different places, Right. And so we have the survival response of, I need to protect the, the institution. I can't have, if this person leaves, then maybe a bunch of other people will leave with them. Mm. Uh, maybe mm. they'll introduce questions that I don't have answers for. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, you know, so we don't, we respond institutionally. The second response that I see is uh, relationally. You can respond out of the relationship that you have with that person and say, um, wow, I care about you as a person. Um, how are you doing? Hmm. Um, what kind of emotions are you experiencing? Uh, how, as I, as a, as a friend, how can I be there with you in this moment and just hold space for the sacredness of what it is that you're experiencing as a human being? Uh, understand that uh, you're made in the image of God and uh, I care about you. So tell me what's going on. Those are two very different responses and one I believe is more helpful, and one is very unhelpful. One um, does what I see Jesus doing: of he enters into uh, the pain of a person, the shame of a person, what they're experiencing, and just sits with them in that, mm-hmm. right? And then the other says, uh, "We can't have we can't have you doubting." <laughs> mm-hmm. Like wh- wh- that's that's like you know from a survival perspective. You're going to infect the rest of mm. this congregation with your doubt. Mm. And um, I may not be, you know, so it's, it's a very different viewpoint. And so for me, I think it's important to recognize, um, and this is where pastors need to do some of their own deconstruction. How mm. am I responding? Um, is it helpful? Is it Christ-like? Um, is it kingdom-shaped? Um, And if it's not, then we need to think through our responses and do some own personal work to be able to be helpful for somebody. Um, Because ultimately, if our goal is to help them be closer to Jesus, uh, to experience the love of God, we have to meet them in the moment, meet them in the reality, the authentic moment of what they're experiencing um, in order to, you know, ever possibly be helpful to them in their journey.
1: I'm guessing um, because you, you don't want the institutional response mm. at the outpost, your, yeah. your, church, your church community, um, that you have learned some things in how you respond mm. um, that may be different than how you, I don't know, how you yeah. used to respond even Absolutely. coming into student ministry mm. where pastors are supposed to have all the answers mm-hmm. I'm guessing now you can say, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but just journey with people. So, can you riff on that a little bit? Like, what, yeah. what, like, what's the culture like being a pastor that can say, you know, I'm not really sure, but we're just going to keep pointed toward Jesus, you know, yeah.
2: and, and figure that out? I think so. To rewind a little bit, I think some of this goes into our view of life. Mm -hmm. and uh, our perspective on God and humanity just in general. And I think we lose sight of that. We get very kind of laser focused on um, this is the only thing that exists. We do that in Christendom a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, We forget the fact that we're all humans who, uh, through no choice of our own, (laughs) got... Um, dropped by a stork, if you believe the Disney mar- narrative, right? <laughs> uh, onto this planet that's like hurtling through space, and we have to survive. Mm-hmm. And we we create responses, we create we create uh, cr- constructs, shelters, if you will, as a, a means of survival. And some of them are more helpful than others. Um, and so. With that kind of viewpoint on it, we can recognize that all of life is a journey of survival and we encounter different things as our environment changes through no choice or fault of our own Mm -hmm. and we have to respond to that. And so I I think that viewpoint helps to shape maybe a little bit of how we respond because our Mm -hmm. perspective on this is totally different. If you can let go of Um, maybe what you view of of this responsibility that's been put on us by maybe our perspective of ecclesiology that says that you as the pastor are responsible for the health, the wellness, the success, the um, sustainability of Mm -hmm. your church community. And you can realize that all of this is being held together by God and you're invited into it. Mm-hmm. um you can respond differently mm-hmm. so in our situation i would say that um with that in mind i recognize that i'm invited to partner with god in the work that he's already doing right. mm-hmm. um and that takes some of the pressure off but it also introduces a whole other level of anxiety <laughs> yeah no. <laughs> no yeah um so with that i would say that uh we have a different perspective, and the perspective gives us a, what I, I think is a more helpful uh, response because we have permission to say, well, I didn't create this. Uh, I've been invited into this. I was born into the same world that you are. I don't have uh, you know any answers that you don't have. But what I will say is that, um, yet again, if we go back to that institutional versus relational uh, perspective, an institutional response to that as a leader, I I characterize as a gatekeeper, right? Um, And we've all experienced this, I would say. You know, we've all run into them. We've all been a gatekeeper at some point. So that's just my own, like, authenticity. I've I've done this um, as a way of surviving, right? To keep everything together. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you look at Jesus' life and the way that he interacted with people, uh, a non-controlling, non-coercive uh, presence in people's life, right. he acted more as, of a, uh, as a guide. Right. Um, let me show you a different way. Come mm-hmm. follow me. Right, I've walked a path that I think would be helpful for you. Mm-hmm. And so with that different perspective in mind, now we're able to position and posture ourselves as leaders differently. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to be a gatekeeper. We can be a guide.
1: And I know that's one of yeah right. val- that's one, of, that's one yeah. of the main values at the outpost <laughs> yeah. that I love is um, that that you guys are guides, not gatekeepers, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. and so all of this yeah. kind of uh, orbits around uh, maybe a different perspective, uh-huh. and I think that's some of what what Brian was talking about in his book and some of what you're highlighting is that we have these paradigm shifts, mm-hmm. and um I think. One of the biggest things that we do with people in deconstruction is to say, I give you permission as a human to uh, feel all the things you're feeling, to um, unpack it with me without judgment. Um, And we trust that God's presence is involved in that. The Holy Spirit's guiding us in that process. And because of that, uh, one of the things we've been told throughout Christianity and even theological study is like, you don't get to make sense of God. Like there' are prescribed ways of making sense of God, right. and that you can only make sense of God those ways. Um, you know, we, we can unpack the literal list of the ways right. that we do right. this right. In, in in Christianity. Yeah. Um, but one of the most helpful things that allows people to come to a place where they actually lean into relationship with God is saying mm-hmm. that there's not just one way. To make sense of God, um, and I'm just going to sit you sit with you in this place as you unpack what you're experiencing, how it's making you feel, um, how you're making sense of God in this moment, mm-hmm. and um, and it's a really a journey, right? So mm-hmm. let's take a step together. Let's yeah. let's just sit, rest, and then we'll take a step together. Yeah. Beautiful.
0: So what I hear you saying is that you know just combine some of that and and what you said just a few minutes ago is that we can't take people through that if we haven't been through it ourselves. Mm. Or even if it's a different kind of deconstruction until we're, we have deconstructed maybe our responsibility as a, as a pastor or as a leader or even as a disciple maker, you know, whether you're responsible for 500 or responsible for one, when we misunderstand that mm. and, and the trust is in ourself to be able to answer questions or know how to navigate things, um, we have to deconstruct that and find a greater faith in God, a greater faith in Jesus, Holy Spirit to lead us into truth, mm-hmm. that better positions us mm-hmm. to respond better, more in a more healthy way, relationally with other mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. So one of the questions that I have then is, sometimes people are deconstructing, deconstructing and they feel trauma around the fact their pastor didn't have an answer, mm-hmm. right? Because they went in and they wanted mm-hmm. a solution. They had a certain expectation and then let's say the pastor responds in a healthy way but it's not the way they want it and they feel very let down maybe even abandoned I mean obviously mm-hmm. that would be triggering mm. a whole bunch of origin origin story and family yeah. system issues but but people who respond that way to someone who's who's holding space what do you recommend then or how do you think about that long play the long mm-hmm. journey of you know what i'm I'm a human and I will i'm not perfect as a leader or as a disciple maker. Okay, you just interpreted interpreted my lack of perfection—not moral failure, but lack of perfection—as mm-hmm. you know something very disruptive, disorienting, and maybe even using the word trauma around it. You know how how would you coach us as we walk this messy road forward in mm-hmm.
2: community? I think uh, for me, and this has just been you know as we're we've been unpacking some of this. Some of this comes from. Um, self-reflection and conversation mm-hmm. around what has been helpful and what's not been helpful, mm-hmm. right? It's and good. so so sometimes as a group, you can just say, okay, what, what's been helpful, what's not been helpful? And you start to, you know, maybe pick up, see some breadcrumbs of a pathway forward. Uh, but in our perspective, I think we have to first recognize something even, like, behind that of that um, – Pastors and leaders, we've been coached to this idea in which uh, we're expected to have all the answers, and that we're we're the sole guide for everybody in our church. And I think that's toxic and unhelpful at, at its core. Um, if I can, you know at a very baseline level, say, okay, just because the Holy Spirit's inviting me to sit with this person in their pain, a, doesn't mean that I have to have any answers for them. Mm. I'm invited into a moment in which God is meeting with those people, and I am a, an image bearer who, who is being present in that moment with them, right? Now, um, that begins, I would hope, a an encounter of healing, where, where healing begins to, to take place, or even just the process of grief, when you give someone permission to sit in their mm-hmm. grief and say, this happened to me. I don't know what to do. Uh, I am disoriented. And and you just give them permission to sit in that place and, um, and for them to experience love. Then uh, after that, the step becomes, okay, okay, I, I can see that you're disoriented. We need to help you connect to somebody who who has experienced that disorientation mm-hmm. and have has found a healthy path forward right so that's formed a perspective in our community in which there's not one guide right there's there's a mm-hmm. everybody's a guide to some degree right mm-hmm. everybody's walked paths and can say hey wait a minute I I've walked through that and um, if you want to walk with me mm-hmm. I'll unpack maybe some of the steps that I took some mm-hmm. of the detours that I think that you should avoid the pitfalls the challenges um and that that's a more helpful response because it's well it takes the pressure off of me as a spiritual leader in our community to say i have i don't have to be the guide for everybody i'm not the right guide for everybody i'm a middle-aged white guy from canada i have my (laughs) own experiences I have my own prejudices, I have my own challenges, I have my own trauma. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if the expectation is I'm going to be a guide for everybody, well, my trauma may trigger your trauma. It may not be the right fit, right? Mm-hmm. And if we can take the permission off and realize that in community, in communitas, we have a host of people that God is working through. And that in when someone's in the process of deconstruction, our role in that is to sit in that holy moment and be there with yeah. them. And then to help them hear the voice of God, which says, um, number one, let's reconnect to the Holy Spirit who is our guide (laughs) ultimately, Mm -hmm. but let's connect you to somebody who, um, who you feel comfortable with, Mm -hmm. who you feel safe with, who you like, that's the, the the onus is on them to select Mm. a guide, Mm. right? Um, And in that, there's also no judgment of like, hey, we walk a path together and I realize that God is taking me in a different direction or this isn't helpful for me anymore, Mm -hmm. then you find a new one, right? Uh, Without judgment, without criticism. And so to me, that's what I think is a more helpful way of looking at this. But it's an entirely different framework of um, spiritual community Mm -hmm. than maybe the hierarchical view of like the pastor is the one who's um, been to seminary and has all the answers and sets the rules and the expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in a lot of ways, I think, tragically, we identify too often with Jesus and not enough with the confused disciples, yeah. right? And so we, we put ourselves in this position of, oh, I'm to be Jesus to these people instead of, well, wait a minute, I'm a human too. Yeah. And um, I'm experiencing this as, as we go along as well. And while God may have gifted me to uh, help create and and in some ways facilitate this community uh, I'm not supposed to be the guide for everybody
0: hmm. I love I love the humility and the posture of that
1: because it, it seems think... scary to me I mean not to me personally it's, I <laughs> know it would be scary to it is. The, yeah, scary. the pastorate yeah right because um, even unintentionally you know pastors are. Shipped out of seminary degrees with okay. Now you need to go, you know, be the leader and make sure this thing is stable and secure and people aren't freaking out and, and mm-hmm. all of that. And it's just it's not even fair to put on pastors mm-hmm. to do that. If I mean, if they were taught to be guides and uh, messed up disciples mm-hmm. that you know just have a little bit more uh, maybe awareness of how to stay connected with Jesus, that's their, that's their part and yeah. everything, it would, man, it would have solved so much. <laughs>
2: you know? but I, at the same time, I don't want to like project this yeah. idea of like, yeah. oh, this alternate way is perfect. It's really yeah, messy, yeah. you yeah. know? Yeah. And it's real. there is more fear in it because like, we don't have a concrete set of instructions of yeah. like, here's how you disciple somebody as if that ever existed and worked. Sure. Uh, but, I think, The question now becomes, okay, the world has changed. Our environment, our, you know, uh, I would say, and this is what I point to for a lot of folks, is the millennial and Gen Z generation are uh, having a completely different experience with the world than any other generation. Mm -hmm. And so they're making sense of God in different ways. Uh, Through no fault of their own, they didn't ask to be born at this time with this, you know, in this environment. But... Then the question becomes, okay, if they're having a different experience with the world, then we need a different way as a community of uh, Christ followers of um, you know, creating a spiritual environment for them. How do we make sense of God? That's helpful. How do we heal? That's helpful. And one of the things that we've discovered is just that those other ways, those other approaches aren't, aren't helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, they were helpful for a time in a different mm-hmm. you know, uh, a different world that, that we lived in, but not for now. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, it's messy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's challenging. It's not perfect. I'm not saying that's perfect. I'm just saying that I think this, as we're interacting with people, we're seeing a lot of fruit interacting with people who are in deconstruction of saying uh, they have a different concept of Jesus. And I think that's the important part mm-hmm. is that when you sit with somebody in the pain, they have a different view of Jesus based on their encounter with you mm-hmm. than when you sit with somebody in their pain from an institutional perspective of, um, well, I don't know if that, I don't know if you're really allowed to think that way. Or, or mm-hmm. you know, we start to critique their uh, experience or their emotions or their beliefs mm-hmm. um, instead of just sitting with them and that's a hard thing to let go of I think because well now you there's a whole other host of problems that come up with this right if if you're not sitting institutionally (laughs) well you lose control and there is going to be mess and well another question becomes like okay say somebody connects to a guide and they're not like helping them connect with Jesus, they're connecting with something something else, else. right? Right? So I don't want to pretend like this is just a a perfect way, Mm. but it's what we've found to be helpful given our context and how people are going through things. But at the
0: edge of what we can control and what we can manage on the other side of that line is faith, Mm. right? Faith doesn't exist in the space that we can control and manage because we don't need it. It's not Mm -hmm. faith. Faith Mm -hmm. is on the other side. Mm -hmm. And so what i what i like about what you're saying is just that l- if our initial response and we can maintain it going forward is to not step into that space of control to manage their deconstruction mm-hmm. but personally having greater faith in jesus greater faith in the holy spirit to be the author of the mm-hmm. of their journey then hopefully we we have that we have enough faith to hold space with them so that mm-hmm. as a community we can come around them Mm-hmm. And help them not lose their faith.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So mm-hmm. I think I think of disciple making as a community mm-hmm. activity, mm-hmm. Um, community group project. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so a holding a that space, um, yeah. a messy one, yeah, a messy one, As always, God mm-hmm. is with humanity, right? Mm-hmm. It's always sure. messy. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Roland, what's your hope as we think about how we hold space with people well, when
1: the I mean world I, falls I, you apart. know as as a pastor and involved you know in in leadership, you know, like. Toby, I think um, you know, like what we've been talking about. I have a totally different view now of what it means to be a pastor. I mean, I like I like the title, and I don't like the title. I mean, I, so, you know, people will do the, the pastor Roland. Hey, here's Pastor Roland, and and sometimes I'm just like, I, I don't want to be that. I want to be the messy right. disciple and maybe i've been to school and studied some theology and things like that that is helpful for the journey hmm. um, but i don't want a, a, i don't want a hierarchical approach to that i want a hey you've studied this yeah. like what do you think mm-hmm. you know I'd, I'd rather be in that kind of posture so my hope my hope is that more pastors church leaders volunteers that are leading things could see themselves as guides and not gatekeepers for their church, you know that they could um, release uh, some of that weight and expectation. I found it to be freeing yeah. mm. in the messiness. It is messier, but mm. it, but it's freeing. So I'm hoping more leaders can just kind of be guides. Cool.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for joining us here at Huology. Um, if you're interested in some of those resources to teach people to be guides, um, please check out our ordinary discipleship series whether the book or the online class and that wasn't a prompt you like you guys we just we just believe and hope the yeah. same thing so sure. um very organic way um, but we we all believe that and carry that value and if you're interested in more resources we have some um, but we want to thank you for joining us um, on faithful deconstruction and how we just journey with one another through deconstruction so we don't lose our faith
1: yeah and thank you to Thank I you, Thanks for having me. Yeah.
0: Thank you for tuning in for Faithful Deconstruction. As a listener to this podcast, we wanted to make available to you a free download entitled Six Questions of Faithfulness. They are questions that help you both honor God and the journey you're on. You are not alone and you're not lost, even if it might feel like it. Go to huology.co for access to our free resources today.